You're listening to the Premier Podcast Network. Welcome to the pinnacle of wrestling entertainment, Premier Streaming Network. Join us at watchonpremier.com to unlock the ultimate wrestling experience, curated to perfection. Immerse yourself in the spectacular world of wrestling history, where classic battles and unforgettable moments are at your fingertips. Join us today and experience the epitome of curated wrestling content, because when it comes to wrestling entertainment, Premier sets the standard. Be Premier. What's up, everybody? It's Marcus D'Angelo, and we are here for the debut episode of Everybody's Got a Pod. And I'm joined, of course, by the Hall of Famer, the million dollar man himself, Ted DiBiase. Ted, we made it. Episode one. Ah, I can't wait, man. Finally, it's here. Thank you for all your help. <laughs> oh, man. Of course. Of course. And you know what? While we're doing thanks, I got to give a shout out to our uh, mutual friend, Jake the Snake Roberts. He's the one who hooked us up, uh, began the conversation here uh, during WrestleCon weekend. That's and next right. thing you know, here we, here we find ourselves getting ready to embark on a new journey. That's awesome. Couldn't be more thrilled. In the words of the million dollar man, priceless priceless perfectly <laughs> perfectly said ted and man uh i'm excited i know that there are just so many stories you've been in wrestling for gosh almost 50 years now at this point i know you started as a very young man uh so gosh we, we've got an awful lot to cover and folks if you're watching us that means that you've subscribed to premiere plus on premiere streaming network which is the only place to get this podcast on video and with no commercials if you're just listening to this right now just do yourself a favor and just go look at what they have no commitment just go have a look at premierestreamingnetwork.com that's Premier, P-R-E-M-I-E-R, streamingnetwork.com, your destination for everybody's got a pod, exclusive videos, and your favorite sports and entertainment events from around the world. And uh, Ted, before we launch into our subject, I did want to ask you, uh, your old pal Cameron Grimes was recently brought up to the main roster being drafted by the SmackDown brand uh, in WWE. What did you think of Cameron getting moved up onto the onto wrestling's biggest stage? Well, you know, I guess I'm just hearing this. I think some, one other person mentioned it to me or said I, they thought that he had gotten moved up. You know, it's kind of like because uh, all the stuff I did with him was like a, almost a year ago. It was like way back last summer. And, uh, you know, and actually, you know, L.A. Knight uh, got moved up before he did. And, yes. Uh, I was kind of wondering, you know, like, gosh, you know, because he was, you know, I was very impressed with Cameron, but very happy to hear that they finally moved him up. I think that's awesome. No doubt about it. And your friend uh, Cameron Grimes is, is killing it in his own right up there on the main roster, which has been just a blast to watch. Uh, I did want to ask, though, Bill Apter recently commented on it, and uh, he feels that Grimes is going to be good, but more like a mid-level talent on the roster. Uh, what do you think? Do you think he has what it takes to be a top guy in the industry? You know, it, um, it's hard to say. I mean, especially because he's, he's been down – in a developmental program for a very long time uh, and you get moved up and, and uh, 
it's, you know, I mean, that, that works on your brain as well. It's kind of like, you know, that was, that was one thing I never had to worry about him because I started the business, grew up in the business, uh, and, and he, and he more or less did, but, uh, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's a big jump and a lot of things are different, you know, especially when you've got the pressure on you, uh, that comes from, you know, uh, being right there, uh, with Vince McMahon as your boss every week, uh, and, and wanting to do it right for him. So, um, you know, if he maintains his confidence and does what he, he seems to do naturally, he should be okay. I mean, I, you know, I wouldn't jump out there and say, okay, he's just mid, uh, mid-level. I, I, you know, I would say give it a little time and I could probably give you a, a better answer. Perfectly said. And, you know, for my money, I think that he's got all the tools to be a huge success up there on the main roster. It's just sometimes it's just about how the chips fall, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's 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 it really is. Uh, sometimes you just, you know, like uh, things that happen accidentally and, and somebody goes, oh, my gosh, that was so good. We have to use it. Uh, I, you know, I, and I can't think of any stories right off the top of my head that to emphasize that or, you know, uh, explain it, but, uh, anything can happen in this business. I, I, you know, and sometimes the least likely end up, end up getting a spot and you go, I never saw that coming. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, a few years back, I don't think that anybody was saying like, yep, Daniel Bryan is going to be, you know, considered one of the best in professional wrestling. And then, you know, there he was, uh, at yeah. the pinnacle, you know, that's, so that's a very good example. You're absolutely right. Cause you know, like way back when, when he was first on, you know, showed up, you know, I, you know, when I was first looking at him, I said, okay, but you know, I didn't see him. I didn't personally see him as being that top roster guy, but man, he fooled me. Yeah. I mean, great worker. Um, but you know, this is, this is the industry of giants and huge physiques and all that. And he's just whatever, like five ten, and not, not really, uh, any kind of an over the top sort of a look to him, but I mean, his skill was just too much to be denied. Right. Well, you know what it is, Marcus is like, you know, and I tell young guys and, and, and gals that want to get into the wrestling industry. I said, you know, uh, you can, I can take somebody, I can get in the ring with them. I can take, I, I can teach them how to take all of the bumps to protect their bodies. And I can, you know, walk you through like a match, so to speak. But the one thing that you can't teach anybody is charisma. Mm -hmm. You either have it or you don't. And you could technically, uh, be a, a very good wrestler technically. But if you don't have that, that special, oomph, if you don't have that thing, it's, you know, like, uh, you know, for, for me, uh, you know, I, I, what, you know, it's like, I tell everybody, I said, I wrestled, wrestled professionally for almost 20 years. And what am I remembered for? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this outrageous laugh, you know, but that's, that's just that you either have charisma or don't you either, you know, it's like, I took my wrestling ability and when Vince McMahon, you know, talk to me about becoming this character. You know, like he says, everybody hates somebody who by virtue of their wealth thinks they are better than everybody. And I said, I hate people like that myself. But that was the essence of the character. And I just, you know, I took the character and, and, and made him come to life. But when I got in the ring and I took the suit off, I wrestled like I always did. 
And, and of course, you know, I, I have been a heel, so it was, it's always fun. I, I think being a heel is a lot more fun. Man, you were a blast to watch. And certainly early on, we could see the kind of potential that uh, Vince McMahon saw in you. You know, you arrived there in, in 1987. And our subject today brings us to early 1988, uh, because we're talking about the main event from 1988. We figured, you know, let's start this uh, podcast off on a really, really high note and something that I know fans love to hear about. Um, so without any further ado, uh, I mean, a big topic, 35-year anniversary this year. Can you believe it's been that many wow. years, Ted? It's hard to believe. It really is. I can't think of a better time to talk about it than than 35 years later. So uh, we can we can kind of launch into the whole thing. You know, initially we put it down that we were going to be discussing both the main event and WrestleMania 4. But after doing the notes and, re and research for this, I realized that we just have to break it into two separate episodes if we want to get in depth and really kind of cover all the topics that we want to. Um, so with that said, the story is going to continue next week on the podcast. We'll pick up right where this one leaves off by looking back at WrestleMania 4. Um, and like I said, we're going to discuss your arrival in the WWF in great detail at some point on the show. Uh, but before we launch into the story of your uncrowned WWF title reign, I did want to ask, uh, we hear a lot that Vince brings an exciting new talent into his territory, and he'll sometimes tell them that he can see them as the WWF champion. Uh, a lot of wrestlers apparently took this literally and took it as Vince promising them the belt. Um, and then when it wouldn't happen, there'd be some some hurt feelings. Right. Uh, when when you first arrived in Connecticut, uh, did Vince make any such statements to you? Um, I mean, you know, uh, not, I don't think that I ever heard him say, I, I can see you being the champion. I mean, I, I more or less got gathered from him. I see you as being my top heel, you know, and uh, and 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 that everything that that happened going forward also demonstrated that he meant it uh and, and it's it's funny people ask me i mean i get that question all the time aren't you aren't you gosh you know you're you're one of those guys you're one of the best wrestlers and you just never became the world champion and i remind them i said even the world champion isn't really the world champion mm -hmm. because it's a show it's it's a story we're telling the story and for for me my the way i always looked at it was if i'm going to be a heel i'm going to be the top guy the most important thing is being over and 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 making the crowd hate me as as much as i possibly could <laughs> and you know if if that included and and just to be honest because I saw where Vince was taking wrestling, you know, I mean, uh, you know, in, in, in my dad's era, you know, it was kind of like the kayfabe, the whole deal. And even though, uh, you understood that, you know, there were a lot of people who watched wrestling that figured it out. It was kind of like the golden rules. Like you don't break kayfabe. Mm -hmm. It's like, you don't ever give away the trade secrets. Well, you know, it doesn't take long to watch a wrestling match and, and realize if you've ever been in a real fight, you know, it's, it's something just not right, but, uh, but, but, uh, it's getting over and, and, and that was the key. So getting over for me was, uh, was more important than having a belt. And, um, yeah, I mean, there was, you know, I, you know, I guess there was some talk, uh, but here's, here's what I'm trying to say. If I had won, you know, if I had somehow cheated, uh, 
the Hulkster out of, of the belt along with the help of Andre the Giant at WrestleMania four and and become the champion. Uh, I would have had it, but I wouldn't have had it very long. Right. And because that's because of the, the, the direction Vince was taking wrestling because, you know, it's not just wrestling anymore. It's merchandise. And so, you know, this is when the, when the, the wrestling action figures started coming out and, and then the, they started with the video games and all the other, you know, all the other merchandise. Well, you know, it's kind of like, uh, if you're the bad guy, you know, you know, you're not going, you're not going to be the champion long because the kids and, 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 and the audience, they want to see their hero as the champion. And that's, and that's where Vince took it. And so, and, and I got that, I understood that, uh, which was just the opposite in, 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 in my era of not my era, so to speak, but in the early days or the, the latter days of before Vince McMahon, uh, it's like, if you were the, the NWA world champion, now the NWA world champion went all over the United States and wrestled in all of the territories back when it was territorial. He wrestled in all the territories that were affiliated with the NWA. Mm -hmm. But the only place that the world champion was a babyface was in his home territory where he was from where he came from, uh, Dor Dory Funk Jr. and Terry Funk. They, they grew up in, uh, in, in Amarillo, Texas. And, and that's, that was their home territory. I mean, literally, I mean, their, their dad established it and they ended up running it after that. Their dad passed away, but that was the only place that Terry Funk or Dory Funk Jr. were baby faces as champion. Everywhere else they went, they were the bad guy. Why? Because in all the territories, you're you're pushing your top guys. And so when the world champion comes to town, you want to put your top baby face against him. And so it only makes sense that you know you're not gonna have a uh you're not gonna have a real exciting match if it's two baby faces. So one of them's gotta be the heel. Right. And so that's that's why the champion was generally the heel. And and and, and that's of course he wrestled in his own territory. So anyway. And that right there, guys, if we can take a pause, that right there is a great illustration of why this podcast is going to be something special. We're talking about years and years of experience and a man that's gone all over the United States, different territories, Japan. Uh, so awesome example of exactly what we're in store here for uh, in with everybody's got a pod in, in future episodes. So appreciate you sharing that. And, you know, while we're on the subject, it's Bruce Pritchard always talks about the WWF at this time as a babyface territory, um, meaning that there's a babyface on top traditionally. And, uh, you know, whereas to your point, heels like Ric Flair with the NWA, it just made more sense to have a heel there. Now, it does make me wonder, Ted, what what is your preference? Do you feel like you fit better in a heel or a babyface territory having worked in both? Oh, well. Um, I, I, well, I, yeah, I became comfortable in, in, in both. I mean, um, and, and what Bruce is saying is, is true. I mean, the WWE as it is now is a baby face territory because again, you know, the audience that you're appealing to, uh, by and large, you know, like, uh, Vince wanted to make wrestling family entertainment mm -hmm. and, you know, uh, 
it, and you couldn't go, you couldn't continue the old school way and make it family entertainment. Uh, so that's, like I said, he had, it was kind of like when he started and he, you know, they developed a cartoon and Hulk Hogan's the hero. He's the ultimate, he's Superman. And, and, uh, and that's, and every kid, you know, wanted a, when the action figures came out, they wanted a, they wanted a Hulk Hogan action figure and everything. Uh, and of course, you know, what follows that is, you know, well, the good guy's got to have a bad guy to fight with. So, you know, you know, when, of course we had our action figures too, but again, the direction and, 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 uh, of the, of the territory wholeheartedly would be, and Bruce was right. It, it, it was a good guy territory. It was babyface territory because that's, what's going to sell the merchandise is highlighting your, your good guys and ultimately putting them over. Uh, and of course they got to have their, their villains to, and, and you actually, I, I think you would even last longer as a good guy in the territory. If it was territorial, you know, uh, than you would as a, uh, as a, as a heel. Because whoever that good guy is, like well Hulk Hogan, and you know, you know and I got I, I got my run with Hulk, but you know it was kind of like Hulk and on it was you know Andre had and Hulk and that was the thing that 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 with the lead in the Saturday Night Main Event the whole deal and that's how me and Andre got hooked up and ended up at WrestleMania four, but uh, you know going going forward from there. You know, all those kids that watch those shows, they want to see their hero. They want to see the hero and they want to see their heroes win. And that's why Bruce, you know, said, yeah, the WWE is a babyface territory. All right, Ted, we're here talking about business. Let's talk about getting down to business in the bedroom. You can do that with some blue chew. Guys, let's just take a minute and talk about sex. Remember the days when you were more of a uh, push start than you were a pull start in the bedroom? Well, Blue Chew can help you increase your performance and regain that old confidence in bed. Blue Chew is a unique online service that delivers the same active ingredients as Viagra, Cialis, and Levitra, but in chewable tablets and at a fraction of the cost. You can take them anytime, day or night, so you can plan ahead or be ready when the opportunity arises. The process is simple. Sign up at BlueChew.com, consult with one of their licensed medical providers, and once you're approved, you'll receive your prescription within days. And you, you want to know the best part? It's all done online. No visits to the doctor's office. No awkward conversations. No waiting in line at the pharmacy. Come on, nobody likes doing that. BlueChew's tablets are made in the USA and prepared and shipped direct to your door in a discreet package. But as we all say, there will be absolutely nothing discreet about your package. Look, I'm a skeptic by nature, guys, so I know what you must be thinking. Will it actually work? Buddy, that's probably the best part of this whole thing. With our deal, you can try it for a month for free. All you have to do is pay $5 shipping. That's it. This whole time, you and your partner may have been missing out on the best sex of your life without even knowing it, so why not just give Blue Chew a shot and find out for yourself? Women are attracted to confidence, guys, and Blue Chew can help give you your confidence where it counts. Don't wait any longer. Chew it and do it. Take advantage of our special deal. Again, you can try Blue Chew free when you use our promo code EGAP at checkout. Just pay $5 shipping. At BlueChew.com, promo code EGAP to receive your first month free. Visit BlueChew.com for more details and important safety information. And we want to thank Blue Chew for sponsoring Everybody's Got a Pod. 
but here in here in uh in 88 you know 87 into 88 you know you found yourself on the biggest stage in wrestling and as you said vince mcmahon is starting to to merchandise everything yeah. and uh he a big part of him trying to establish the wwf as a, as a brand is this monumental primetime special that, that comes seemingly out of nowhere uh it's the main event on nbc uh and man it's what what was your first thought whenever you heard uh holy smokes we, we're about to do this huge primetime special on nbc uh, i was like blown away i mean I, I you know they told me that uh that uh that was the first time ever that professional wrestling was on live live national network television coast to coast the first time ever that pro wrestling you know was 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 in the limelight as you know it's like you know this this is a special show on it i think it was nbc and and it was it was coast to coast uh and and it, it and that Saturday night main event was the lead in to WrestleMania four. I mean, a, a, a good part of it. I mean, that it was just surreal. I mean, it's like, you know, I, I go from territorial wrestling to being at the right place at just the right time when, when the WWF, as it was known then was going to be on national network television for the very first time. And I'm part of the biggest angle. Incredible. And the angle that would lead into uh, WrestleMania four, and that was so funny because I wore the belt. I, I took the belt on the road for about a, I don't know, a week or so, and then they, you know, they said, of course, Jack Tunney, you know, is supposed to be the guy. And, you know, he says, you know, he strips me of the belt. He says, you know, you you didn't win the belt. You're you're not the champion. Uh, and I said, and they couldn't give it back to Andre because technically Andre won. And forfeited it, but he but he'd been paid off by me not right. to take the belt, and they couldn't get it back to Hogan because technically he lost it. So what do we do? We have a tournament <laughs> to crown a new champion, which was the tournament was WrestleMania four. That's that's our episode for next week, and I'm I'm psyched to talk about it. But man, it's uh, such a cool story. And by the way, you mentioned the twin referee angle. I've got the clip of it. Uh, so we'll we'll be watching that here this week on on uh, the podcast. But uh, I did want to get Meltzer's two cents in on this. It's the January 15th, 1988 edition of The Observer. It's almost scary what the TV ratings for the show will be. Judging from the past week's TV tapings, the TV hype will be mainly directed at the special. And they've got the type of a main event which will interest the general public more than any other. Without a doubt, this will be the most watched wrestling show in the history of the United States. Ted, we're talking about a live prime, uh, live in prime time. And we know, of course, that Meltzer would have it correct. This show would draw a 15.2 Nielsen rating and 33 million viewers. I mean, the significance of this cannot be overstated. Am I right? No. Oh, no, no. And, and, and you know, I don't think at the time I even realized you know, I mean, I knew it was big. I, I, I knew it was big, but I, I didn't realize it was going to be that big. And as I look back and realize you talk about, <laughs> you talk about, about stumbling in, into, into the right place at the, Ugh. at the, at the perfect time I did it. <laughs> I, I mean, all of a sudden you're on the biggest stage in professional wrestling. You're yeah. the top heel in the industry. You haven't even been there a year and you're the top heel uh, in the industry. Yeah. And now it's like, man, you are set to be in a, in a featured role on this massive stage. 
Um, uh, when you first hear about it, you said you couldn't really quite grasp the significance of it. I mean, uh, do you feel pressure at this point? I mean, at, at this time, you're kind of a, a seasoned vet, right? Well, I was a seasoned vet in, in, in the business. I mean, I've been around, but, you know, I had never been on a stage this big. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, you know, territorial wrestling, you know, I, I had wrestled some big shows, but nothing to that magnitude, you know, had I had I had, had I been on. And uh, man, uh, it's just it's again, it was surreal. It was surreal then. And uh, looking back, I'm just very grateful, very man. grateful that I was the right guy at the right time at the right place. Yeah. Remarkable. Remarkable. Yeah. And and uh, if you don't mind, I'd, I'd like to talk about Dick Ebersol for a minute. Uh, he's a producer for Saturday night's main event alongside Vince. And now here he is producing and uh, allegedly helping direct a little bit uh, for the main event, a huge name in television. Did you get a lot of interaction with Mr. Ebersole? No, I, 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 I got to meet him, but uh, that, that was, that was about it. You know, um, I knew who he was and, and of course, big, big name in TV. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, I did get to meet him, but that was about it. I mean, I was, I was too busy worried about what I had to do that night. <laughs> uh, it's probably a good thing. Uh, Jake apparently had a weird run-in with with Ebersol. He didn't know it was him, and uh, this guy walks up and hands him a script. And Jake, uh, in his words, said, "This script is bullshit" or something like that because he's used to, uh, yeah, as I'm sure you were. You know, you're doing these uh, promos, and a lot of it is like they give you a basic outline and then just let you run with it, right? As, as opposed to scripting everything. Yeah, yeah, and and of course it was. It's, I think it's more so now than, than even then. Uh, but I mean, um, and I, I even told uh, Vince this. I said, uh, you can give me a script. You can give me the verbiage you want. But what I'm going to do, Vince, is I'm going to make it me. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm going I'm to read what you have and understand what we're trying to say but it's not going to be word for word because it won't, it won't be natural for me. And and he trusted me enough to allow me to do that. So, And you didn't get to where you were as a promo or as a personality in professional wrestling by reading scripts. You got it by kind of yeah. doing your own thing and going exactly. off the cuff. Yeah, exactly. so it just makes sense. Exactly. And I mean, look, yeah. if we look back at some of the greatest promos in professional wrestling history, I don't think that Dusty Rhodes had somebody writing hard times for him. Uh, don't think that Austin was getting a lot of writing done uh, for him no. uh, back in the day. So, no. yeah, it's uh, no, sometimes, no. sometimes you just got to let the people do their thing. That's it. Uh, um, so well, let's talk about Bruce Pritchard again real quick. He has it. The, the main event for WrestleMania 4 was set in concrete by February of 1988. Uh, do you remember being approached at all about the story or the tournament or any of that? Uh, no, that was all pretty well, you know, well, you know, they wanted to keep it hush-hush because, you know, they didn't keep it hush-hush. You know, stuff like that, that big. It, it, you know, if, if you don't keep your mouth shut about it, and then it, it ends up getting out. It gets leaked. Mm-hmm. And, and you don't want anything like that to get leaked. And and, and for me, post-WrestleMania, uh, I mean, of course, you know, after the, after the big Saturday night main event was res- WrestleMania, and of course, that's the other thing too. Everybody always asked me, you know, like, you know, uh, you know, weren't you upset that you didn't win it there? And I said, it would have been nice for me to win it there. I said, but you got to understand something I understand about the wrestling business is 
uh, and, and because I knew where the wrestling business was going with Vince family entertainment, you want to make the kids happy, you know, uh, and there weren't too many heels that were champion that, mm-hmm. I mean, they might get it for a while, but all they're doing, they're going to have it just long enough to pass it back either to the top baby face or the next up and coming top baby face. And so I said, look, you know, it's, it's, it's all about what I can do to make the people hate me the most. Yeah. And, and so, and, and it was Pat Patterson that approached me with this idea. Cause you know, I mean, I think they were a little worried, concerned about, you know, like, you know, uh, they were trying to please a lot of people, Randy Savage being one of those. And that's how Randy ended up coming out of, uh, of the thing at WrestleMania four as, as the champion. And I said, um, but when, when, when uh, Pat Patterson said this to me, I just, he said, what if you don't win at WrestleMania four? And then in your arrogance, you thumb your nose at the world title and just declare yourself the million dollar champion and create <laughs> your own title. And, you know, and, 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 you know, like you put your, you know, your, you know, you put your title up against all comers i said do it because i mean you talk about getting people to hate you oh my gosh that, that arrogant sob blah 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 who who does he think he is it was perfect i mean again that's that's it i mean that that got more heat on me than you know i seriously i got more heat by developing and creating my own title than by having the world title for a short time and passing it back to Hogan. Yep. And uh, that's what I think gets lost. Because I've heard people say that too. Like, oh, you know, he, he should have had a run with the title. They've said the same thing about Piper, about Jake, uh, Scott Hall, and numerous others. But really, yeah. in your case, uh, what made the most sense was that you would say, uh, you know what, I'll just I'll just go buy my own. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Just, just incredible. Hey, we mentioned Bruce. And uh, as a side note, I do have to ask. Uh, I've heard Bruce say in the past that at this time you would carry large sums of cash on your person so that if anyone ever tried to call you out on not really being the million dollar man, you could prove it. And then uh, you'd just give the receipts to Vince. Uh, is there any truth oh, to that? Oh gosh, absolutely. I mean, from the first day I, I signed the contract and Vince, this Vince had this, whoever it was, somebody in the office walked in the room counted out uh, $2,000 in brand new $100 bills. And Vince says, Ted, this is your flash cash. <laughs> he says, here's what I want you to do. He says, now, don't abuse it. If you abuse it, you lose it. He says, but you got to pick the right spot, whether it's in a restaurant, a hotel, an airport, wherever. Wherever you can you know, lay down the cash and pick up the tab. And he said, you know, like you've had dinner in a, a, a really nice restaurant. You get up and say, hey, everybody, just announcement for you. This is your lucky night. I'm Ted DiBiase. I'm the million dollar man of World Wrestling Federation. And your meal is on me tonight. Just to prove to everybody that I'm not really a bad guy. Virgil, <laughs> collect the checks. Virgil, go around, get all the, all the checks. We'd add them up. I mean, you know, and bang, 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 lay down the cash, take the receipt back to Vince, and they replenish the money. And Vince wrote that off as marketing. 
And it was. That's exactly it what it was, marketing. But I mean, can you, I mean, when, when he talked, I mean, I, my mouth had to be like this. <laughs> really? And I said, he said, Ted, he says, you're going to be one of the hottest heels I've ever had. And I, I said, yeah, in front of the crowd and, 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 and in the dressing room too with everybody else <laughs> because nobody else is getting treated like that. And that was the other thing. It was like, he said, Ted, he says, I don't want you staying at the Holiday Inn anymore. He said, you stay at the Hilton, the Hyatt, the Marriott, whatever. You stay at the exclusive hotels. He says, and and, well, I, and again, for the first like year or so, I, I had limousine service every day. Oh. I mean, airport to hotel, hotel to Coliseum, Coliseum back to hotel. You know, and of course, you know, I, I wondered if that might create some heat with the other other guys. And it, it really didn't because they were like, you know what? If, if I'd had that chance, I'd have jumped on it, too. And speaking of Bruce, he had, he commented on that situation as well because he was asked uh, by Conrad Thompson on their podcast, Something to Wrestle. He was asked, uh, did Ted get a lot of heat with the boys? I mean, he's right around a limbo's five-star restaurants. He's getting all this petty cash. Like, how did the boys feel about it? And Bruce said, Ted earned it, and all the boys knew that. Like, yeah. Ted Ted had worked in the industry for a long time, had busted his ass, had established himself. So yeah. he earned it. Yeah. Uh, and, man, what a, what a hell of a spot to find yourself in, though. Incredible. Absolutely. Uh, on, on the way to the main event, uh, you're working house shows here and there facing Hogan in tag team matches and singles matches. Would this have been the first time you had worked with Hulk? Uh, actually, the first time that I ever worked with Hulk Hogan. Hulk Hogan's very first appearance in Madison Square Garden was against me. That's right. I have heard that. And you were the, the baby face and he the was the heel. And he was the heel. And I, and this was, and, and actually, and, and it was my last match. I mean, I had, you know, uh, again, that, at that time, you know, it was you know, the WWWF and Vince senior was still the boss. And, uh, you know, I was still pretty young in the business, but you know, I, I've been there for, I don't know, you know, I wouldn't say quite a year and I, I was going to go back to work for, for Bill Watts. So my last, my last show is Madison square garden. And I remember Vince Senior came to me and he said, Teddy says, uh, uh, I put you with this guy because this is somebody we're really going to push. We, we really want to get this guy over uh, well, and we, we trust you to do it. And that, which, which, you know, made it was endearing to me that they, they put that kind of trust in me. And so I said, sure, I'll do whatever I can to get him over. And that's the first time I met him. And, uh, and I remember after the match, uh, you know, when we got backstage in, in, in the dressing room, and this was at Madison Square Garden, uh, you know, he thanked me. And, and he said, he looked at me, he says, hey, by the way, I owe you one. Oh. So fast forward to, I don't know what year that was. Uh, I'm trying to think. I want to say uh, when you had worked with Hogan in the garden, gosh, I, I want to say it was maybe like 81, somewhere in there. Um. I don't know. We'll we'll look it up yeah, and, and sort it out. But, but but anyway, uh, a few years before he had become this this huge megastar. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and this is man, that is a good guy to have owe you one. I would say. And, and 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 here's the thing: when when we you know when when I started back and everything, uh, uh, I guess for the first week or so, I didn't you know. The, so the first the first show we were on together after I actually started wrestling in the in the territory it was it was an outdoor show and i don't know who he was wrestling but it wasn't me 
But when he came up, shook my hand, he said, he looked at me and he winked and he says, payback time. Oh, <laughs> I said, <laughs> hallelujah. <laughs> hey, by the way, my brother Dominic is in here helping us produce. And he uh, pointed out it was 1979 in Madison Square Garden. That you wow. worked with Hogan. So wow. that would have been Hogan's first run. I know that uh, when he took the Rocky role in uh, in Rocky three, he lost his job temporarily, went to Vern, yeah. then came back. But man, it's awesome. Uh, so uh, you're coming in the door here in 87 and you've already got a, a good relationship with the top guy in the company. Yeah, man. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, hard to ask for more. Now, uh, during this time, Meltzer is counting you among the best workers in the entire business, uh, whether in the United States, Japan, anywhere. He is always putting you over, saying that you can help anybody look better in the ring. Um, but at the same time, he's taking a lot. Of, he's taking a lot of time taking Hulk to task, uh, you know, for his style of work. Um, what did you think about the formulaic type matches that Hogan was having? Well, you know, here's the thing, you know, everybody, you know, I've heard a lot of people say, you know, Hulk Hogan really wasn't a great, uh, wrestler. Uh, I said, uh, pardon me, but yeah, he was, I said, Hulk knew his gimmick. Hulk understood who the character was and that type of character. And, and, and here's a guy that, I mean, my goodness, you know, like I was six, four, I mean, and, and he stood like two inches or three inches taller than me. I mean, massive big, guy, massive guy. And big guy, and big guys like that don't do arm drags and, uh, and hip tosses and shouldn't and shouldn't exactly. It's just like Andre, you know, you know, and Andre, you know, you talk about somebody who knew how to work. How does a guy that's three times as big as anybody on the planet make somebody in the ring look like he has a, even a chance of beating him. Mm -hmm. You just learn how to do it. I mean, I mean, and, and Andre was very good at that where, you know, he would dominate and dominate and then he'd pick something where somebody would, he'd say, hey, poke, poke me in the eye or whatever and hit me in the throat. You know, and that's something that where, where anybody would say, oh my gosh, that, you know, that really hurts. And, and you know, you know, how do you, first you got to get him on his knees to where you can, because, Otherwise, you, you're not even face to face until he's on his knees. But right. it's just—it's just—it's—it's—it's it's, it's the psychology of wrestling. The vulnerability in the big guy, and it's again, it just—it just makes sense. You don't like. I don't want to see Hulk Hogan do like a missile drop kick off the top rope. It just—it yeah. would be—it would be weird and out of character for him. Exactly. Now, for you yourself, uh, did you feel like you were at your your peak as a wrestler around this time, or was the best still yet to come for you? Uh, I, I know those were my best years, uh, w w without a doubt, you know, and, uh, I had grown up in the business. I had, um, you know, they say, who trained you? I said, nobody. I said, well, the, the funks, I said, well, the funks basically, uh, because of my relation with them, relationship with them all of my life, I guess what you say it was easier to get in the business, but. Uh, I started, I actually started physically wrestling under Cowboy Bill Watts. Mm. And, the, and the the talent that Bill had in the territory. And, of course, when I started for Bill, I was a baby face. I was a good guy. And he had a slew of heels, man. And, I, you know, I was on the opening match every night. Uh, but the other, uh, the other guy in the ring was 
usually a fairly polished, you know, worker and led me. And you just pick it up. You pick it up little by little. And over time, you you develop your own persona and uh, and character. And, you know, and of course, uh, my dad was a great heel, you know, and it's kind of like uh, there's two kinds of heels. There's what I call the tough guy heel. And there's the, what I call the uh, the chicken shit heel. Mm-hmm. You know, that's the guy who talks real big, but when you confront him, he becomes a coward. Right. So back and, back and down. You know, and he's, you know, he's, he's not, he's the only time he's really tough is when he's got something in his fist to, you know, cheat. Yes. Uh, and so, but every guy that I've ever known that was a tough guy heel, uh, Stone Cold lost it. I was his manager for when he, when he first started, you know, and he, he was carrying the million dollar belt for a little while. Stone Cold was a tough guy heel. Every tough guy heel I've ever known eventually becomes a good guy because everybody loves a tough guy. <laughs> I mean, you know, when, when you, when a guy's that tough, you, 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 you end up loving him. Um, uh, the rock. Yeah. You know, the same thing. Tough guy. heel. Uh, can't help but respect him. Um, exactly. Nikita Koloff, I yeah. think is another good example of that. Yeah. Um, very much so. Right, man. Interesting. And that's a perspective I've never, I've heard about the two types of heels, but I, I have, I don't think I've ever really heard anybody put it into words that usually the tough guy heels become baby faces. That's really fascinating. Yeah, it is. Um, and of course I didn't worry about that because I was, I, you know, I was the, you know, I was always going to be that sneaky uh, behind your back guy. You never uh, get tired. You never get tired of seeing a chicken shit heel get his ass kicked. It fit it, it fit you like a like an old house slipper. It worked perfectly. <laughs> um, I, I also want to mention around this time you're working with uh, another really great athlete and uh, a, a tough guy, baby face, Bam Bam Bigelow. Uh, you're working with him a lot here. He's a huge guy, great look. Uh, eventually, you'd be his manager a few years later. But yeah. why don't you think things worked out for him during his first run in the WWE? <clears throat> I kind of I kind of feel hindsight. Um, you know what? Why it didn't work out the first time was a little bit because of his attitude. Mm. It's kind of like an attitude of like, you know, I deserve this and I should be this or I should be that. And you know, uh, when he came back the second time, he was a lot more humble, if you will. Ah, uh, I see. In a, in a nutshell. A little bit too young, maybe, for the uh, yeah. the the spotlight. I did also hear that maybe he had a few issues here and there with Andre. Well, that's just yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's one guy you don't want to, you know. And, and here's the deal: Andre was a very good judge of character, and if Andre liked you, chances are you're a pretty good guy. Mm-hmm. And if Andre didn't like you pretty good chance you're a scumbag good judge of character and so uh judging on that character that's that's why things didn't go so well for for the big man 
Sure. Probably exactly what he needed for his career. Calm him down a yeah. little bit. Yeah. Uh, speaking of Andre, we get a really fun moment between him and Hogan at the first ever Royal Rumble. Uh, they aren't in the Rumble, of course, but they do have a contract signing for the main event. And you're in the ring for our first clip of the week. Just a reminder for those that are unaware or don't remember this. Ted had established himself in 87 as the man that could buy anything because everybody's got a price. He attempted to purchase the world title from Hogan. Hogan denied him uh, like the good hero that he is. And so Ted enlisted the help of Andre with the idea being that if Andre defeats Hogan, he and Ted have an agreement in place where DiBiase will purchase the belt from Andre. Here's the clip of the signing. has waited for almost a year for this opportunity. He was robbed of this title just about a year ago. He can take his time. He is savoring the moment. You just hold the mic and shut up. Well, you know, the same thing applies, McMahon. If you were to sit down and buy some new rat trap house, You'd sit down and read that mortgage real close. Jack Tunney already said both principals oh. and their respective representative have indeed read the contract thoroughly. Jack Tunney said it. That's like getting a guarantee from Ali North. There's nothing here that is going to prevent us from signing this contract here tonight, live in front of an audience all over the country. I certainly hope not. All right, make up your mind, Andre. Stop playing games with Hulk Hogan. Either sign it or get up and get out of here, and let's progress with the matches. I'll tell you what, if Andre doesn't sign it, I'll bet you they go at it right now. Nah. Because Hulk would not sit there and go through all of this humiliation to have Andre. Wait a minute, is he signing? He's signing He's it signing. Finally, Andre the Giant is signing the contract for the big one. February the 5th, Friday night. Now that you've signed the contract, Andre, put your official stamp of approval on it. Whoa, whoa, whoa. stamp of approval. We may have February 5th. All right, Andre, put the official stamp of approval on it. Oh, oh no. Oh, no. <laughs> Now look how look easily he did hands. that. Look at him. Take a long, hard look. Take a long look what you're going to see on February the 5th. Andre the Giant on the way back to the dressing room. Man, just tremendous stuff. <laughs> uh, wow. Ted, when, when do you think is the last time you saw that footage? It's been a while. Yeah? It's been a while, yeah, and I... I noticed how young I looked. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you what the the hair, the uh, the outfit you were looking. You know, how about this? You're looking like a million bucks. Uh, you know, I've I've talked to Jake about this a few times on our podcast. But you know, you had come from as you as you referenced the Watts Mid South territory the year prior, and you'd grown up in this kind of old school way. You know, yeah. if, if I remember right, in Mid South, you were just like the dude with a loaded glove and just kind of like a, a wrestler's wrestler. But yeah. now here you find yourself, and you're in this like shiny suit with this over the top, almost like a comic book type character. Yeah. Um. It. I mean, a great story. But how yeah. were you feeling situating yourself in this kind of cartoonish world? Well. You know, when 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 the WWF first took off, and again, I was still working for, for Bill Watts, and of course, I was watching it, and it was kind of like my, I, I had an old school mentality. I mean, it's like, you know, he's, he's killing the wrestling business. Mm -hmm. It's kind of like, you know, making a cartoon out of it. 
but in reality, Vince, I, you know what? Stroke of genius. You know, I mean, you know, he took something that, you know, I mean, pro pro wrestling as, as we knew it back before the old school way, like you had mentioned, it, it, it started in the carnies. It was like a carnival act. Mm-hmm. And, and, and it gradually evolved. Uh, and, you know, even though the, you, you, there was always a base core of people who were going to, you know, you know, believe it, you know, most people, you know, considered wrestling, you know, it's a, it's a, it's, it's sports entertainment, you know, it's not real. They're not really getting hurt. Uh, and, and that's how they looked at it. Uh, but we presented it the old school way as much in a much more realistic fashion, I guess is what I'm trying to say. And yeah. then all of a sudden this guy comes along and he's, you know, got these colorful costumes and, uh, making toys and all that other stuff, you know, but, uh, you know, what I initially thought was, a you know, a guy killing the business and wrestling was dead forever is he made it bigger than it ever was, you know, revolutionized. And, yeah, he really, he really did. And so, you know, I just had to, you know, I, I had to go. And, and even when I sat down and talked with Vince about the character, you know, he said, he said, Ted, he says, here's the one thing everybody hates uh, is someone who, by virtue of their wealth, bullies people, mm-hmm. you know, is, flaunts his wealth and bullies them. It's kind of like, you know, throws money at their feet, says, yeah, I'll pick that up, P.I., you know, and laughs in her face and stuff like that. And I just kind of chuckled and I said, yeah, I can't see other guys like that myself. You know, that's really, you know, that arrogant deal. And he said, that's the essence of the, of, of this character. And, uh, and, you know, and, and so I under, I started to understand that. And, but I also understood that when I got in the ring and the suit came off that, I was just going to be the same type of wrestler I always was as, right. a heel, as a heel. And again, the best kind of heel is again, what we call the, the chicken shit heel. Yes. The guy who really is a bully and a coward and talks real big all the time. You know, you never get tired. You never get tired of seeing a guy like that get his butt kicked. And, and, and that fit perfectly into what the million dollar man exuded. So, yeah, it's, you know, if you want to exude that whole, like, you know, I can buy anything, I can do anything. I mean, a guy like that, especially if, if we are going to view this through like a kind of over the top cartoonish lens, he'd probably wear a really shiny suit and uh, throw money at people, stuff it in their mouths. Yeah. So, no, man, it, it, it worked. All right, guys, summer's about here. Are you ready to greet it looking your best? Manscaped is here to ensure your body is ready for the wild with their game changing full body grooming and hygiene products. Don't be that guy at the beach with the Austin Powers chest hair, all right? And uh, look, if you put on a little winter weight, at least you can make sure you're not covered in hair, too. It's time to get ready for hot guy summer by going to manscaped.com for 20% off plus free shipping with the code EGAP. In all seriousness, guys, nothing improves your confidence like feeling like you look your best. And Manscaped's Performance Package 4.0 will have you covered from head to toe. The kit comes with the essential lawnmower 4.0 waterproof cordless body trimmer and a ton of other liquid formulations to round out your grooming routine. Whether it's your chest hair or you're trying to shape up that pubic topiary, this is the best trimmer on the market. 
Their trimmer features a ceramic blade designed to cut hair on loose skin and to reduce grooming accidents thanks to advanced skin safe technology. You definitely do not want any nicks or snags down there. Am I right, guys? Also in the performance package, you'll find the Manscaped Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant and Crop Reviver Ball Toner, an anti-chafing ball deodorant and moisturizer, because we all know how painful chafing can be when you're wearing your bathing suit all day. Look, I'm a swarthy Italian guy, and let me tell you, Manscaped has changed the game. My bathroom floor looks like a couple Wookiees got into a brawl in there, but by the time it's all said and done, I look and feel like a million bucks, and the wife isn't complaining either. We're not done yet. If you got tufts of hair growing out of your ears and nose, Manscaped can also help you with their Weed Whacker 2.0. Quick, efficient, and most importantly, it gets you looking clean and fresh. You also get two free gifts, the Shed Travel Bag, a $39 ad, and the patented High Performance Reduced Shaping Manscaped Boxers. We all go to the beach wearing sandals too, so you need to try Manscaped's Shears 2.0 Nail Kit. They've literally thought of everything, guys, and all of their equipment is top of the line. Having the right tools for grooming is essential. Do yourself a favor and always use the right tools for the job. Don't wait until a day or two before you're headed to the beach, guys. Act now. Get 20% off plus free shipping with the code EGAP at manscaped.com. That's 20% off plus free shipping with the code EGAP and greet summer looking your very best with some help from Manscaped. Uh, let's talk about Andre for a second. You're spending a lot of time here with him, managing him, tagging with him, etc. Um, are you traveling with him at this time too? Yeah, uh, a good well, a good portion of it was. I mean, obviously, um, um, yeah. I mean, <laughs> most of the time uh, between uh, starting in the business and, and that first the, the that Saturday night men event, the, the build up. Uh, to WrestleMania, but from WrestleMania going forward, I was with Andre a lot. That was, you know, in the business, we call it the rub. Andre was the rub for me. In other words, I, you know, I, the, the, the guy that's going to help elevate me to the top level is Andre the Giant, mm -hmm. if that makes sense to you. For sure. It's I kind of like that, that, that rub, like, you know, uh, you know, like when Stone Cold came in, you know, it's kind of like, you know, uh, Steve, you know, stunning Steve Austin at first. And then, uh, but initially they put, they put Steve with me, uh, because they wanted to make him a, a big heel. So, you know, as a manager and he, he, you know, I'm going to have a stable of guys and, and he was going to be one of them. Well, I just, and of course, nobody, nobody, including me, had any idea how 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 huge that character would get. Oh. You know, he, you know, he went way beyond uh, any expectation. But um, that was the rub. So Andre was the rub. I mean, Andre, you know, Andre had turned heel. I mean, Andre had been loved by everybody, and when he turned heel, my gosh, you know, it's kind of like if they if if they love you, the more they love you, and you turn on them, the more they're going to hate you. They're going to hate you right. even more. And vice versa. Uh, if if you're a really really bad guy, and you're a good really good heel, and everybody hates you, and then you turn babyface, it's going to even make you bigger. I mean, Randy Savage. Randy had been a heel, you know, and it's like that. All that stuff with Elizabeth and mistreating her and and, and all that. But when we had WrestleMania uh, four, and, and and he came out of that the winner, and and, and toppled everybody. 
shot him right to the top as, as a baby face. For sure. And, you know, I don't know if the Million Dollar Man character could have uh, made a good baby face or not. What do you think? No. Uh, see, no. He'd, he'd gotten no. too much heat no. early. <laughs> no, yeah. I, it, it, you know, it was kind of like I would have had to change too much. And it was it was too good. It was, it was just too good. I mean, there were so many things that that you could do with that character and we did we did a lot we did a lot of things with it but uh yeah i would i i don't i don't even know what kind of story you would tell to get a guy like that to uh to change something really drastic would have to happen in his career to make him turn i, yeah. could, I mean you can do anything you know it's like if if i got uh horribly injured or something you know and and and, and then it, and realizing that, you know, there's a lot of things in life that are more important than uh, money, like your health and stuff. I don't know. Some, some kind of. Certainly a possibility. I don't know. You had, you had uh, gained a lot of ill will up to this point. It might be hard to bounce back. Uh, actually, yeah. right here on uh, Premier Streaming Network, we've got another podcast called One of a Kind with Rob Van Dam. And I know that uh, you and he had a little <laughs> run in when he was just a young man. We will talk about that someday for right now. Let's, let's, uh, let's edge a little bit closer here to the main event. Um, uh, before we get there, though, uh, we've heard over the years as fans that you kind of have to earn Andre's respect and uh, he could be really hard on people if he didn't know them or trust them yet. Uh, was your arrival in the WWF the first time that you had been around Andre? Uh, no, actually um, I met Andre while I was still in college playing football at West Texas state. Really? And, and again, the uh, <clears throat> Andre, and of course, Andre, and again, the territorial days, you know, he would go territory to territory and he'd like, he'd go, he'd go to a territory and, you know, he'd be the highlight on, on every card in that territory for that entire week. And then he'd go to another territory. Uh, and so when the Funks brought him into Texas, uh, and this is while I was still at West Texas state playing football, uh, for whatever reason, both of them, Dory Jr. And Terry were going to be out of town. They weren't going to be there. And so they said, they said, they said, Teddy, would you take Andre out for us uh, when he comes and, and, uh, and take care of me? And I said, yeah, man, I'm, I'd be happy to. And so uh, I, I took the big man out uh, <laughs> the, uh, after the, after the show in Amarillo, Texas, took him to one of the, one of the, uh, the, the college bars that, you know, all of us college kids frequented and everything, you know, it was funny that, this is this true story. So we sit down, and and and, uh, and the girl comes up to the table to take the order. Andre looks at her and he says, "You'll have trash can." She's kind of <laughs> kind of odd look on her face. She says, "Yeah." He says, "Big big trash can." Yeah, he says, empty trash can. He says, "Yeah, sure." He says, four. I don't know if it was four or five, four or five cases of beer and trash can on ice, bring to table. <laughs> like, what? I couldn't believe it. And, and of course, now, if you ever saw Andre wrap his hand around a, a, a beer can, which mm -hmm. is basically the same size as a Coke can, the can disappears. You can't see any, you can't even see the can because <laughs> his hand is that big. And it was like, it, it was kind of like, uh, 
him drinking a, a regular 12 ounce thing of beer was like you or I drinking a, a mini. Right. And I mean, he was just unbelievable. And, you know, the other thing that a lot, a lot of things that the, 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 the fans don't know, you know, the, I can't remember who did the special on him, but they did a really good job with the special they did on Andre the Giant. I think it helped the people understand how here's a guy who's so visible. You can't miss him anywhere he goes, but spent his life somewhat lonely. Yes. Because you, know? uh, you can never... He could never get anywhere where he was really comfortable, you know, uh, traveling on an airplane. Even if he sits in first class, a first class seat on an airplane is like me sitting in coach. I can sit there, but I'm not real comfortable. Right. And that that's, you know, he spent his whole life. And I mean, he, he wrestled in Japan. You know, they would have to, in some places, you know, they would, uh, you know, I don't know, either have to put, they put him in a room where they, you know, put two beds together. Or I, I don't know, but just constantly looking for, for a place to be comfortable. And, uh, it was just tough. It was just tough, tough life for him, but a good guy. And, and, and oh gosh, man, I don't me- remember a whole lot about the rest of that night. I, you know, kind of like <laughs> how could you? Oh my gosh. Four you know, cases. My goodness. Yeah. Great boss. Drink, drink, <laughs> you know, well, hey, that's good. You know, you had a good relationship with him coming in the door because, you know, as as we discussed here with Bam Bam, maybe having some issues. I know that uh, Big John Studd experienced some really bad issues with him uh, to the point where I believe that he was a, a big reason why Studd wound up leaving the territory. So it's, uh, you know, he's not a guy that you want to be on the bad side of. And it sounds like you had a, a good early start with him. Oh, yeah, I did. I really did. So. Uh, well, Ted, we're here. It's February 5th, 1988, and we're live in primetime on NBC. Man, uh, such an exciting time. And uh, we've got an interesting note from the February 15th Observer that I wanted to read because uh, I'd love to hear your take on this. The result of the main event with Hulk Hogan losing to Andre the Giant was pretty well known within wrestling circles to the point where it was so well known, I figured it was a false plant. Actually, here in the Bay Area, it was hard not to know the results ahead of time, being that several radio stations had already reported the title change starting as early as Monday and that the San Jose Mercury ran a story on Friday morning in the front page of the sports section detailing that Andre was going to beat Hogan to set up WrestleMania. The reason all this became public knowledge was Titan had already sent advertising agencies info on WrestleMania 4 with the slogan, Hogan tries to regain the title. So it's before the main event ever even airs, it's, it's out there that, yeah. uh, that Hogan's going to lose the belt. You know, yeah. as, an, as an old school guy, Ted, and, you know, this is still the era of kayfabe, how, how did you feel? Did you hear about any of this? You know, I, I didn't. I didn't hear about any of that. But, I mean, uh, again, by this time, though, the thing that had changed, here's, here's the thing. Uh, grow, growing up in the wrestling business like I did, being old school like I was, you know, the whole thing about, you know, like, uh, you know, okay, it's kind of like when you when you watch a magician, uh, you watch a magic act. Now, you know that that guy didn't couldn't really make that bird disappear. Right. But he did. So where, 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 where the heck, you know, the, it, it was it was the wonder. It was the how did they do it? You know what I'm saying? Yes. But with wrestling, it was like, you know, uh, as, as realistic as we tried to make it, and we did, in many cases, make it very realistic. 
uh, oftentimes to the point where you would actually really like my dad and, and Dory Funk Sr. That one match that they had, they, they, they legitimately stood in the ring and let each other hit, hit him. Oof. I mean, that you know, they had, you know, like the, they had pictures of him in the paper the next day where uh, Dory Sr. had a big, you know, big, big, big eye. And there was a great big bruise under my dad's uh, chin and or under his, you know, cheek, things like that. But uh, now we're living in an era of Vince McMahon has basically announced to the world. Yeah, we're sports entertainment. So what? We're good. And so. I, I think that that, you know, takes, you know, that takes a little bit of the edge off of, you know, Andre the Giant, this great big monster. You know what I mean? That's a cool perspective. And yeah. I have not heard the magic comparison. I mean, you're right. Anytime I see David Copperfield do his shtick, I'm not like, holy shit, this guy's like a wizard. I'm I'm like, oh, man, this is it's just fun to watch. It's fun to see how he how he pulls this off. So, no, it's, that's a really good comparison. And and so, like, it's kind of like, you know, watching your favorite favorite uh a soap opera yeah or tv show it's like you know it's a show but if, if, if but if the actors in the show are so good at what they do that they draw you into the story it's kind of like I, 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 I love to go to the movies but man i see a really good movie a movie that, a movie that can make me angry a movie that can make me laugh a movie that can make me that can bring me to tears you know those are the movies that i remember and that's because the actors on stage are that good that they're they're drawing you're drawn into that story for that time, and it's the same thing with the wrestling match, you know, like uh, the really good wrestling matches, you know, like 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 I said, my my dad, I mean, I've I've wrestled hour long match, uh, one hour Broadway, we call it Broadway, in other words, no winner, one hour to a draw. And, and, and left the ring with like back backing out and going, okay, there'll, there'll be another time. And, and uh, for the people to witness that and for you to hold their attention for that, for that length of time and just you know, the gift, the back and the forth. And, you know, some of the greatest matches I, I I've seen were like, uh, I always go to uh, uh, Jack Briscoe and he was world champion. Uh, I, I saw him wrestle both with Dory Funk Jr. and, and Terry Funk. And the, some of the matches they had were just unbelievable, hour long. Uh, and, I mean, I was I was excited and I was smart. I, I knew it was a show I was watching. Well, when you walk into a movie, you already know it's a show. Right. But if the actors are really good, they draw you into the story. And that's that's the difference. And, and uh, you know, it's kind of like that that storytelling and i think for what vince was wanting to do was to make wrestling because it was a pretty much you know back in that era pro wrestling was pretty blue collar yes you know, it's kind of like now you how now vince is trying to dress it up and make it more family entertainment Used yeah. to be a bunch of guys that you'd find in like a bar, and uh, now it's a bunch of guys that you'd find on, you know, in like a Abercrombie catalog. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, well, before we get to Andre and Hogan, Ted, uh, this is something I've been dying to ask you about. You and I talked about it on the phone a little bit, um, and I know that fans cannot wait to get your opinion on this. So the event opens up with the Honky Tonk Man defending his Intercontinental title against Randy Savage. 
Savage scores a countout victory, and it's a pretty unremarkable match in general, except for the fact that Randy was originally set to win the Intercontinental title, according to everything I've heard. In a 2015 interview with Wrestling Inc., the Honky Tonk Man claimed that the original plan at this time was for Savage to become the Intercontinental Champion and for you to become the World Champion. Honky said that he and Vince had a handshake agreement that he would be treated well on TV. So when Honky is pitched the idea of dropping the belt in front of uh, that huge audience on the main event, he shot it down. As a result, Savage is slotted into the world title picture, which leaves you robbed of your planned championship reign. Honky also claimed that due to this, uh, to this day, you still got a little heat with him. So... Ted, I don't, I, you know, uh, I mean, uh, you know, the honky tonk man. I, I, I've never had heat with him. It, you know, it's, it's, it's a business. And the bottom line now, the only thing that could have made heat would have been if, if, if something like that had affected my money. Mm-hmm. That, that, and that's the deal. That's why Pat Patterson came to me and I said, and basically we said these were the original plans but what if this happened yeah i mean without going into the thing that i i mean i found out later about he said what if it backfires on you you don't win and in your arrogance create your own title makes perfect sense as soon as he said it i said that will put more heat on me than winning the title it will because it's long it's long term it's like you know it's it's almost like this arrogant sob is thumbing his nose at the world title and creating his own title to be you know to to be defended to be defended uh whenever and wherever he wants i mean it's kind of like you know what an arrogant sob right well that that's the whole point it's the heat you know, and I, I, I probably, I would say I probably had more heat by creating that new title than by, and like, again, I said earlier, if I had won the title, I'd have had it, but I wouldn't have had it very long because I'm going to, I'm either going to, the title switch is either going to be, it's going to either going to go back to the original champion. Yes. Or a lot of times they'll use the intermittent. They'll they'll they'll, they'll let it they'll let it heal a heel win it, so he can pass it on to the new babyface champion, a transitionary champion. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. So yeah. No heat. No heat. Uh, you know I don't I don't care. It's about money. That's you know, that's and, it too. Not, 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 as long as none of that affected my money, you know, it's like uh, because I was still working on top. And, and that's the important thing. And I think that's what a lot of fans tend to lose sight of is they're like, oh, Ted should have had that world that world title. It's like Ted Ted got paid because he got to work in some main events and uh, was rubbing up against some of the biggest stars in the industry. So, like, if I'm Ted DiBiase, I'm, my mindset is the same as yours, man, where I'm just like, yeah, let's let's just make sure I get some money. I don't care. Like, it's, it's a work. I don't care if I win or lose or whatever happens. Yeah. Um, now, let's let's set the record straight, though. Uh, were you told? Uh, ever told straight up uh, the intention is for you to win the world title. You know what, Marcus, it's, that was, it was so long ago. I mean, um, 
I don't believe I was. I really don't believe I I, I was. I, I I assumed it. Mm. You know, I mean, I assumed that like, well, okay, when we go, but again, back to Pat Patterson. And that's what he said to me. I mean, I guess roundabout, it's a roundabout way of telling me. But he said, you know, everybody, everybody's assuming that because of what happened, you're the new, the top heel and everything. You know, it's like, it's, it's almost like the, 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 the smart wrestling fans are calling the shot and you're going to, you're going to, you're going to win this tournament and then, and have the run with Hogan and it backfires on you. And honestly, end of the day, it's kind of a better story. It really is. is. Well, and that's, that's the deal because guess what? I still worked with Hogan. Not only did I work with Hogan, I worked with, I worked with Savage and Andre and I had tag team matches against Hogan and Savage. And it was, it was, it was, it was all about making the money. So, yeah, I mean, uh, uh, I guess there's a part of me that says, okay, you know, uh, you're a guy who could have been a world champion. Well, uh, a world champion in, in a, in a make-believe story, you know, uh, now back into the NWA type deal, the, the NWA world champion. Now he had to be, he had to be the caliber of a wrestler who could work with anybody. Because mm-hmm. everybody, he's you know, like as as that champion, you're going to go to the territories and you're going to wrestle with the top baby face in that territory, and you got to make him shine. You got to make him look really good, you know. And you got to be able to do that. Well, I, I get that, you know. But this is a different. This is a different. This is a different beast, you know. This is like, you know, wrestling has become family entertainment. Oh, oh, oh half-heartedly cartoon. I mean, I'm, I'm walking out there, you know, in a, in a, in a, in a suit with a, with a valet, at, uh, and, and, uh, but when the, you know, when the suit comes off, you know, we, we have the match and it's You're all business. Again, it's all business. Yep. That's it. It's, you know, at the end of the day, it's not about whether you, you know, I, I would rather not have the belt and have more money. <laughs> that's it too i i would be the highest paid job guy uh in wrestling if i if i got that option <laughs> yeah no problem um hey so i did want to ask and you mentioned it you know it's uh wins and losses it's a belt that's kind of given to you etc i'm i'm curious about your perspective on the honky tonk man kind of refusing to drop the intercontinental title um you know it's uh, i've spoken to jake about it and he says that he feels it's kind of the mark of an insecure performer like look it's just it's a belt it's a loss in a in a in you know in storyline it doesn't really matter um what do you think about that you know honky was saying that he felt it would hurt him in front of this big tv audience and maybe destroy his credibility for other promotions what do you think i think well i just i just think that's you know he's telling you straight up what he was afraid of mm-hmm. and um I guess that would be that that's a lack of confidence, a lack of confidence in his own ability. Um, you know, it's kind of like at the end of the day, it's a work. <laughs> it's, you know, <laughs> I mean, you know, wh- whether you have that belt or whether you or that title or whether you don't have that title, you know, it's, it's, it's how you perform in the ring and, and, you know, and how many, uh, how many butts you can put in the seats. So, couldn't agree more. When, 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 you, when it starts affecting that, 
you know, that that's that's when you got to worry. Couldn't agree more. And Ted, without any further ado, uh, we're on to the reason why we're here. Uh, it's Hogan and Andre on primetime, and it's a storyline that's considered one of the best in wrestling history. It's available on WWE Network, but I think if our listeners just Googled it, they could probably find the footage pretty easily. Uh, this is going to be our second and final clip this week. Hogan goes for the leg. Wait, wait a minute. Virgil. Virgil grabbed his ankle. Referee Sting. Here comes the Hulkster. Yes, covering. One, two, three, no. four. Virgil's got five. the referee tied up. Dave Hepner is over there warning Virgil. Give me a break. Come on, referee, turn around. Hulkster, hat on with a giant pin. One, two, three. He had it from behind. Andre now, but maybe Lady Luck riding on his shoulders here tonight. One headbutt. A second headbutt. Andre spins a Hulkster around. Suplex right on top of him. He's on it. One. We get a two. That's it. We got him. him. He got him. He got him. No, he didn't. The referee counted three. We've got a new world champion. No, we don't either. I told it, McMahon. I told you. I told the world that the Giant would win it. No, sir. That can't be. again, McMahon. Never, ever again. Dave Hebner, the referee, is outside. He has the championship belt, I believe, in his hands. Hoekster's looking down at him. He can't believe it. He's saying it was only two. He's, he can't be giving the title to Andre. He can't be. Hebner counted three. In wrestling, you don't go by instant replays. This ain't football. It's the referee's I mean, decision. I can't believe what a stupid mistake that was. I was just... I can't hey, believe that. The guy's only human, McMahon. No, just a referee. he can't be. He's going to present it. He presents it to Andre. Raises his hand. We have a new world champion. Ladies and gentlemen, the winner of this bout. No. I told you I was going to win the World Tag Championship. And now, I surrender the World Tag Championship to Corey DiBiase. Wait a minute. Hold on, Andre. What are you saying? You surrender the title to Andre. And this is the new That's world. ridiculous. That's ridiculous. Oh, I can't believe it, ladies and gentlemen. That Hulkster is coming over. He's coming after him. That referee made the stupidest decision. I can't believe it. championship that's not legal i don't think i don't know We're, we'll have to wait with jack tunney on that one i'm not sure if andre could just give the championship away but one thing's for certain referee dave hebner made his decision he's standing by it and we have a new world wrestling federation wait a minute, wait a minute, what's going on in the ring what is going on in the ring wait a minute is that dave hebner or is that dave hebner how could there be two dave hebners Look at these guys. Wait a minute. They look, look just alike. They look just alike. 
The guy on the right's Hefner, isn't it? The guy oh, on the guy left on... is Hefner. Wait, though. No, the guy on the right is. Wait a minute. The Hulkster's coming over to figure out which the official referee assigned was a man by the name of Dave Hefner. I can't believe we're looking at two Dave Hefners. What's right. going on here? There's two Come Dave Hefners. What's going on? The Hulkster's trying to find out who the real Dave Hefner is. You tell me, Jesse Ventura, and what is going on here? I think it's the one on the left. I think that they, Dave Hebner, I don't know who the, uh, the imposter is. Look at these two. Well, they're Each one, they look like identical twins. <laughs> my favorite part of this whole thing is coming up. Hulk Hogan, and I don't know whether, oh wait a minute, coming back, oh look at this, whoever that man is, he's high above the air, the Hulkster knows, look out, oh. <laughs> 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 so, Earl Hebner gets absolutely fucking launched out of that ring uh, you, you guys did. were there you guys were there but he was over your heads i mean are you picturing disaster in front of 33 million oh well you know i i knew when they called that spot i said wow it was uh it, it worked out i was just you know i was i was a little bit worried about him launching him like that but he did it and it worked out <laughs> Man, uh, incredible. I mean, what a what a historic moment. A lot of people point to this as uh, the greatest storyline in the in the history of wrestling. How do you feel? Uh, gosh, I don't know. I've seen a lot of a lot of storylines, but I mean, yeah, I mean, well, yeah, the, the intrigue, the fact that, you know, you show up, you know, you keep going when you listen, I didn't know until that night that Dave Hebner had a twin brother. Oh, you didn't, didn't know. I didn't know. Uh, no, <laughs> I didn't know. Till I, I didn't know. Like, none of us knew till that night, just exactly how it was going to end. And, uh, you know, when, when, with the deal with the two, the two referees, it was just, you know, it was classic. It was Man, classic. It was cool. And backstage Hogan is saying like, uh, he, he starts referencing that you, you paid for plastic surgery for someone to look like Dave Hebner. Um, but then the whole thing is just kind of quietly dropped off TV. They don't really mention it again. Like it was just, that was the story and that's it. Yeah. Uh, do you feel like a little meat was left on the bone? We could have pursued this a little bit further. Uh, I don't know. I, I really, I don't. Oh, you mean with the referee thing? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, you know, anything with the referee deal would be, you know, you know, you don't want to, you don't want to take anything away from the, the heat with the two people and, you know, with Hogan, me, 
uh, Savage, uh, the whole deal there. Um, I, I agree. And yeah. uh, look, the the, con- the story is going to continue next week. I've got one more question for you. And uh, next week, by the way, we got a ton of fan questions. We'll answer them all next week at the conclusion of uh, the WrestleMania 4 episode. Last question for this week. How critical was this story for your career? Oh, my gosh. I mean, it was I mean, it was the it was the story that launched me. I mean, I mean, I had, you know, when, when they, they did all the they did all the vignettes you know, like, uh, introducing me as this, the billion dollar man, the guy with all the money and how I would cheat people. And I would laugh at them and, and, and all that other stuff. But down when it gets down to the nitty gritty, yeah, the, I mean, the, the setup for WrestleMania four and then even WrestleMania four, I mean, I, I, you know, I mean, there's a lot of people that have wrestled in, 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 uh, a WrestleMania, but, not too many people actually had three matches in the same WrestleMania, and I did, <laughs> you know. And then, and then Randy and I, Randy and I, you know, and that was the other thing. WrestleMania four is the first time Randy and I had ever touched. We oh, had wow. never wrestled each other before that night, and uh, it was yeah, it was great. Man, an electric atmosphere, uh, and we're going to be talking about it next week. I can't wait to discuss WrestleMania 4. Before we go, I want to remind everybody, uh, we have got a free giveaway going on right now. We've uh, got not one, not two, but 12 signed items from the Million Dollar Man himself, and we're giving them all away for free to subscribers on our YouTube channel. 11 winners will receive signed Panini Select trading cards of Ted, and one lucky winner will get a signed Funko Pop. Again, it's completely free. Just subscribe on YouTube and you're eligible. That's it. Go right now to youtube.com forward slash everybody's got a pod. Subscribe and you'll get some awesome content over there and be automatically entered uh, to win future giveaways. And hey, look, if you want to hit the notifications bell while you're over there, please do. It would help us out. It would also help us out if you gave us a five-star review on your podcast platform. We're a brand new podcast, and we're looking to make our mark, and we could use your help. So please, if you're enjoying what you're hearing, give us a five-star review. Uh, it, it would certainly mean a lot to us. We'll be back next week again talking about WrestleMania 4. But in the meantime, we'd love to have you follow us on social media at Ted DiBiase Pod on all social social media platforms. You can follow Ted at MDM Ted DiBiase on his social media. Follow me at Marcus P D'Angelo on Twitter, and follow Premier Streaming Network at Watch On Premier on Twitter and at Premier Streaming Network on Instagram and Facebook. Again, if you'd like to get this podcast on video with no commercials and get access to a ton of sports, entertainment, and other shows, get over to, to PremierStreamingNetwork.com, sign up for Premier Plus, and I can guarantee you won't regret it. Ted, episode one is in the books. What do you think of your first podcasting experience? Hey, like I always say, everybody's got a price for the Million Dollar Man. <laughs> and this was priceless. It was priceless. And guys, we will catch you next time right here. That is, I'll tell you what, that music, that that could be the perfect <laughs> outro music for the podcast. We'll, we'll catch you guys next time right here on Everybody's Got a Pod.